0: why did jesus perform miracles that's the question we're discussing today on the hear of the story presented by the gospel project Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Brian Dembozik. So, Brian, today we are continuing our survey of the gospels and looking at the ministry of Jesus. Over the last few weeks, you know, we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, when we haven't been making fun of each other, we have been talking <laughs> a lot about. Uh, The preparation for ministry, and so last week we looked at Jesus calling his first disciples, which because the gospels themselves are not written purely in a chronological order, and they're just not structured that way. Some of the events that we're talking about may have actually happened before he called them, but sometimes we're looking at things thematically. Yeah. So today we are in Mark chapter 1 where we see some of Jesus's earliest miracles in um in that particular gospel. So, um let's talk about let's talk about where this falls in the in as close to the timeline as we can get in Jesus's yeah. ministry.
1: And if somebody has been listening to the last few episodes, they know, again, as you said, Aaron, we began kind of with that, hey, here's here's the birth narrative, of course. Here's John, here's John's ministry. and then that that coupling of Jesus being uh, baptized and then tempted. And then that kind of just opens the door for his ministry to begin. And we looked last week, uh, in the last episode at um, Jesus calling his disciples as you said one of those times and where it falls we just know it's early in the ministry here we're looking at mark where mark writes a more concise gospel as we know and he he kind of starts his by peppering just these really brief accounts of these miracles i think his intention is just kind of give us an overview hey this is this is what we're looking at and so we have this just punchy if you will account in mark one jesus did this then he did this then he did this jesus is always moving in the gospel of mark um and it's likely concurrent with the call we talked about last week maybe even before mm-hmm. what we talked about but again it's the, the the early timing here is not crystal clear but the bigger idea it's about the same time yeah
0: yeah and so what are some questions that we should be asking when we are looking at these
1: at these early miracles well, the first one is, is kind of what we let off the podcast episode with. Why did Jesus perform miracles? I think this is a really important question for us to keep in mind as we are studying. If we are discipling somebody or teaching through this, this is the natural place to kind of say, hey, let's make sure this is understood. We're going to rub shoulders with many miracles of Jesus through the Gospels let's talk about why he did these and there are two main reasons the first one and one can argue more important although i would argue they're pretty much equally important it's he was performing his miracles to reveal his identity so the idea was that people would see the miracle itself a healing for example then look at the one who performed the miracle jesus and recognize there's something unique about this. Normal people can't do what this man just did. Ergo, he must be more than human. He must be the Son of God as he's claiming to be. He's the Messiah. I can trust in him. So one of the main reasons was for that, to to point people to his identity so they might find salvation in him. Mm -hmm. However, we cannot be... Uh, utilitarian here. We can't think of people just as props for Jesus to use to that end. Mm -hmm. He clearly cared about the people. He performed miracles because he had compassion for people. Uh, The the gospel writers actually reserve a word more for Jesus. It's used in the Greek almost exclusively of Jesus to talk about being stirring deep in his bowels, Um, this deep compassion for people. And again, I think the gospel writers inspired by the Holy Spirit want us to see, no, these were acts of love. Jesus saw people who were infirm. He loved them. He cared about them. He wanted to heal them. He saw people hungry. He cared about them. He loved them. He wanted to feed them and so on. So both reasons are important to reveal his identity and because he loves people.
0: And there's also a kind of a 2.5 in there, um, on that, on that too. I mean, he's revealing his identity. He's also confirming, uh, confirming the truthfulness of his teaching. I mean, we see that, we see that pattern, um, less so in Mark, um, more definitely, definitely strongly in Matthew. Um, and it's very consistent throughout the old Testament as well, is that there's this, um, proclamation miracle confirmation kind of thing that happens um
1: yeah who is it pentecost who wrote the words and works of jesus um i think it may have been but there there's a book that you know the, the title is basically the words and works of jesus because of this reason to tie them together they both the works affirm the words the words pointed toward the works and the greatest work of course on the cross and the empty tomb yeah
0: so another question that we should be asking as we look at these early miracles, and and really this extends beyond the early miracles to all of Jesus' miracles, is really what is their significance? So you think about Jesus casting out an unclean spirit or healing um, sickness and disease like we see in chapter 1 of, of Mark. But when we go beyond that to Jesus walking on water and feeding multitudes and even raising the dead, um, you know, giving sight to the blind and and making and making people who couldn't walk walk, why was he doing all of these things? I mean, ultimately, um, they're they're all multifaceted. Um, but um, when you think of when you think, but ultimately, what they're saying is that Jesus has. Um, authority over all of creation, all areas of life, all, um, all creatures, great and small are subject to him.
1: Yeah. And, and one of those would have been sufficient. I mean, had Jesus just performed the miracle of healing sickness, healing leprosy, for example, that alone would have been instructful to the point of proving who he is and his love. But that they were diverse reveals he's got authority in all areas, over nature, over sickness, over infirmity, and so forth and so on. Close related to that is the question, well, is there any significance then in how Jesus healed? Because if you look through the different ways that he healed, if you think off the top of your head right now, if you're familiar with, with the gospel narratives, you know there are times he healed by the spoken word. Uh, you know, he would say, only believe, you know, you're, you're well or whatever. And somebody would be healed by him speaking at other times. He would heal from a distance at sometimes he would be close. Sometimes he physically touched somebody. Sometimes he made, he spit in in his hand and made mud, you know, on a one occasion, at least. So he healed in different ways. And that is also important because it's showing his power. He was not, he didn't have to be present. He could be distant and so forth. Just his word was sufficient. But also think about the man with leprosy in Mark one here, for example, he touched him. That is significant because that was an act of compassion. That man, who knows the last time that man was touched. Um, and so Jesus chose to touch that man. He didn't speak to him only. He chose to touch as a really wonderful, beautiful act. And so as you're looking at miracles, how is important as well and can really be instructive to understanding what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, most importantly, we need, when we think about the miracles in general, um, even these earliest ones, uh, a question we need to be asking is how do they point us to the gospel? And one of those key things is 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 that revelation of Jesus' identity, um, even if it's not, even if people didn't understand in its fu- in in fullness. He was still revealing that he was not a regular person. He was not merely a human being. He he was and is the Son of God, who is both fully man and fully God, um, and that and and that is incredibly significant because he's the one that they were waiting for. He was their yeah. their promised rescuer, the Messiah. Um, it also reminds us that they also remind us again that Jesus has all authority. So everything is subject to him including sin and death everything has to obey him and so when death uh when death has to obey him and give people life back that is an incredible thing and and such a key point that it's like not only does he have authority over it he absolutely defeated it and someday because of him death is going to die itself and that is that is just so cool um the last thing is is that that really that Jesus loves us and honestly i think that there's um there's something in a lot of us where something as s- seemingly simple as that statement that it can feel kind of trite um yeah. you know we we know the the little kids song you know Jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so and we forget that that actually is
1: incredibly profound truth. Well, yeah. And I was going to mention this. I'm glad you did. Because even as you, as you couch it, I think correctly, it's, it's, it's usually considered a kid's song. Why? Why is that truth not beautiful enough for adults? That is, you know, that is a richly theological, important song. Um, and so yeah, I, I think yeah. this truth has gotta be something that let's not we, we should never move past it. Yeah. We should never think that's too elementary for us. Let's go on to the deeper things. Let's let's wrestle with the hypostatic union, which we, I we mean, can we should do. we should, but not at the expense of leaving his love for us behind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So Brian, let's uh, let's think about this from uh, from a discipleship perspective. So what kind of what kind of guidance can we offer someone who is Uh, Who is leading another person in the faith?
1: Yeah, I think the first one is really uh, not only true of of anybody we're discipling, but specifically or especially true if we are discipling a newer believer and or a child maybe who's not as familiar with with the the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And the temptation is when we come across the miracles of Jesus, we are taken in by them. Understandably, they are amazing. They're supposed to be. And we start to focus on the miracles themselves and stop there. That's the problem. We have to keep going beyond to focus on the miracle worker. Again, the, origin, the reason for those miracles was not to point to the miracles themselves, but to point to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So as we are discipling people, let's not let them stop short as well. Um, talk about the miracle. Marvel in the miracle. We are supposed to, but don't stop there every time let's make sure we get to what do we learn about Jesus from this? How, you know, where, where do we see his power? Where do we see, what can we learn? Where, how should we love him more because of this? And let's always get to Jesus.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, in that we can, we can absolutely and should absolutely reaffirm um, or affirm for the first time our commit, our belief that God is truly a miracle working God. So God is the same today yesterday and forever he has he he did does and always will have all authority and so that should bring us hope and comfort and joy even when everything around us seems to be going just in the worst direction it could possibly be <laughs> possibly go. Like, you know, your, your sister's on her way to be a contestant on The Bachelor and your kids have, they're denying Christ and everything else is everything else that is basically your worst fear is happening. God is still in control, even in those moments. And, and that has to give us comfort because, and and that's why, again, we, we need to go back to that reminder of the love of jesus his compassion for us that he displays all the time that that is that simple truth that jesus loves us is sometimes all we have to hold on to and we need that
1: And, and i think that's important for one other piece of guidance i would offer is while we understand that god is a miracle working god We have to caution those we are discipling that we cannot nor should not expect God to perform miracles in our lives. Um, He can, but must he? No, he can choose not to. He's not obligated to. He's not made that promise to us. And so I think we need to caution those whom we're discipling, especially you think about somebody being ill, you know, a family member with with a, a significant sickness, for example. And that person saying, okay, well, God's a miracle working God. He can heal my relative then, my loved one, and he should. That's where we've crossed the line. No, no, no. You know, yes, he can, but to say he should, that he's obligated, that's incorrect. But even if he chooses not to, we have a hard time understanding why he would not. He loves that person. Why would he not? But we've got to rest in that truth, that simple yet profound truth that God loves us, that he is sovereign, and everything he does, even if we don't understand it ever on earth, everything he does is for his glory and our good. It's hard to fathom how it's good. That he would not perform a miracle in some situations, but we have to trust in that. We we are finite; we're limited in our understanding. Of course, he is not, and and so that's just a caution. We we want to temper uh, those we're discipling not to expect of God what he has not promised to, right. to do.
0: Well, and and I think along with that, um, I mean, there's some an experience I remember from even even as a as a brand new Christian, um, talking to a young guy who. Um, his parents had been, were were faithful believers. Um, he was a pastor's kid. And so he, he just had a lot of, he he had a lot of those kind of issues, um, that can come up with, with being a pastor's kid. Um, (laughs) I think we've all seen that and, um, good guy, but he just had, he just could not reconcile some things. And so he, he talked about like, so we had talked about how, um, how I came to faith and some things that I experienced. And, and, um, and, uh, we talked about miracles and things like this. And, and he said, you know, if I, if, if I experienced some of those things, then I would believe. And then, and it just broke my heart because, it, and I, and I told him, no, no, you won't. Um, and and that's and that's true and that's true of everybody. That's true of virtually everybody who is like, well, if I just be- if I just saw a miracle, then yeah. I would believe. The reason the reason that I say that that sounds really harsh, but the reason that I say that is because plenty of people saw Jesus miracles. Yep, and they didn't believe, and so. A miracle ne- cannot be the foundation of our faith. It is the person and work of Jesus that yes. has to be the foundation of our faith.
1: Yeah, my experience. There's another barrier. There's something else going on, as you're saying in this person's life. I'm sure there's something that happened that was the true barrier, and not seeing a miracle is the reasoning, the, the yes. excuse, if you will. Yeah. 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 Exactly.
0: Miracles matter, but they matter because of who they point to. Exactly. So, all right. uh, So, Brian, I think that's a good place for us to to wrap this up for today. So, thanks for chatting. And, uh, guys, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.